Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with the Indy Star. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, but the star of the show, as always, is Greg Doyle, who still has his knit cap on or toboggan or snow hat. What do you call that? I know it's like a regional thing for those hats. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, shoot, I don't know. Knit cap, I guess. I called it toboggan the other day and felt immediately stupid. Is that a toboggan is a thing? sled. Yeah, that's what I always thought, but I, I didn't know where toboggan came from. I didn't hear that until I came out here, but I, I thought I was under the impression that was a southern thing. It is so cold here in my apartment. And it's, it's a very cheap apartment, and the walls are thin, the windows are thin, and I just, anyway, I sit here, I, I bundle up. I, I could spend a lot of money on heat, or I could bundle up, and I prefer to bundle up. You look comfy, though. Knit cap hoodie, just get a bunch of the cats on you while you're trying to write and all of that. That'll warm you up. That's one why cat, one puck. snake, and they don't join me at the same time. Yeah, uh, I'll pass on the snake. Yeah, I hard, know we've that's got a hard pass. A lot to talk about. You know, obviously, the Colts' ongoing quarterback situation. We're still 48 hours not even removed as we're taping this on Tuesday morning from the Super Bowl result, which I know you guys are excited to hear us talk more about Tom Brady. But I actually wanted to start Indiana, Greg, because, look, let's face it, and, and you know, you've done this. You haven't pulled any punches. Um, Indiana's been kind of a convenient punching bag this season for their up-and-down play. And the fact that they've been unable to close out games, even though they've gotten close, knocking on the door in Champaign, knocking on the door in Madison, ultimately following both of those games in overtime. I don't know about you. I was watching that game on Sunday, and I thought to myself, I, I don't remember exactly when it was. I think it was around the two-minute mark. Trace Jackson Davis went to the free-throw line and missed both. And I thought to myself, here we go again. You know, Indiana's going to end up losing this game by four to six points because they're going to miss all their free throws. And I was going to make plays down the stretch and I was going to blow it. And then Rob Finnessy comes out of nowhere after a disaster game, really a disaster season for him, hits a huge three. Armand Franklin has all the confidence in the world to shoot that shot, even though he was something like one of 10 beforehand. You wrote about it in your latest column. I don't want to overreact in the moment, but that just felt like a game that Indiana had to have. And and maybe we can reset. We thought after Iowa City, that was a season-changing win. It clearly wasn't. Maybe this is the season-changing win for Indiana. I don't know. Am I just being too hopeful? I don't know what to say about the IU basketball team. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe this is a season change. I mean, maybe. You know, the thing about the, the, the most famous stat that we've got right now to sum up Archie Miller's tenure is that they've uh, beat, beaten a ranked team 11 times, which is pretty good. They're the 11 wins against ranked teams, and in the very next game after those 11 wins, they're 2-9. and nine. And sometimes sometimes you play a great team and you're going to lose. Sometimes, though, like they beat Iowa last time, then lost to Rutgers. Um, this time they beat Iowa, and now they're playing Northwestern. You know, I you have to beat Northwestern. And if yeah. you don't beat Northwestern, just shut the whole thing down. But Anyway, I don't know what to make of this IU team. I they clearly are good enough to hang with really good teams and to beat beat Iowa a couple of times. They're clearly that good, but they can't tap into that all the time. And I don't, you know, if Archie if Archie knew why, he'd have fixed it by now. Yeah, that's kind of what's frustrating. Uh, they have glaring issues, notably their guards' inability to shoot. Uh, you know, they just have they have a bunch of guards, and Franklin is maybe the exception, even though he struggled obviously on Sunday, but. Notably, Finnessy and, and Durham, you know, are just kind of all over the place and they just don't have enough shooters, but they're not a talentless basketball team. They have a lot of talent. Like, obviously, Trace Jackson Davis is one of the best, I don't know, 20, 25 players in America. Uh, Race Thompson has talent. Even even Durham and Finnessy have talent. They just need to kind of tap into it. And 
I think that's kind of the frustrating thing is unlike, let's say, the team from three years ago where they were short that, this team has a little something. It's just about finding it and, you know, stringing something together, Greg. That's that's the thing. They they have these outlier performances where they, they get a big win and then they turn around and they ruin it by losing the next game or losing the next couple of games. I agree with you. Northwestern's falling off a cliff. So they got to get that one. And they, and they got to just string something together here. Let's see them win four of five, three in a row. You know, not not a ton, but just do something to kind of separate yourself from that 500 bar and safely place yourself into the at-large situation in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, there's always so many numbers to look at when you talk about a tournament, a team's tournament bid and and resume. And, and I use net. I mean, it was 47 going into the IU game. You win that, I, I assume right now it's in the low 40s. Um, that's borderline bubble. That's probably on the safe side of the bubble if you had to guess. Uh, having said that, they're 10 and 8, and a team only gets so many losses. And the Big Ten's only going to get so many teams. And they're going to get a lot, but someone's going to get left out. And if you have, you know, I, I you, they, they can afford to lose a few more, but they can't get to 12. Like, I, they can't be 14 and 12. Um, but their schedule's tough. The Big Ten's brutal. But they they have no choice but to beat Northwestern and then to beat another team or two, a good team or two along the way, and play their way in because they, they just can't hide behind, well, the Big Ten's tough. And our net is 46, for example. And so 14-12 make an exception for us. There won't be an exception made for you at 14-12. I just don't believe it. Yeah, they're 6-7 and seven in quad one, quad two games. Uh, half of those wins have come quad one, two of them against Iowa, because, you know, Iowa's a top 25 team. You beat them at home. And obviously you beat them on the road. That's a quad one win as well. But they haven't moved in the net, which is weird. They're, they're still 48. And it says updated yesterday. And I was wow. kind of like you. I was refreshing it, thinking that they were going to go up. I know Ken Palm has been in love with them all year. I know the committee doesn't necessarily use that. But Ken Palm's got him 25th. And they, wow. he, he's had him. Uh, he's had IU hovering around the top 20 to 25 for most of the year, even as they struggle. So their metrics are pretty good. And it, it just kind of underlines the point, Greg, that we pull our hair about the, uh, out about this every year. It sh- it shouldn't be hard to make the NCAA tournament, right? Uh, you have to like barely be average to make the field. That's what's been so frustrating about Indiana the last couple of years is that they they couldn't even reach that threshold. Yeah, you, especially if you're IU. I mean, listen, if you're if you're say Clemson basketball, if you're I, I you know I don't know if you're California basketball, it's not. It's a little bit harder from for places like that. Um, but if you're IU, and, and no IU is not the, the juggernaut it was under Bob Knight, but still, you're IU. You've got more national championship banners than everybody, but but uh, UCLA, perhaps Duke and Carolina. There can't be more than you know, maybe Kentucky. I mean, you're in the top five championship banners. you got to get to the tournament. And they would have gotten in last year, and that needs to be said, and, and, that, and that does need to be factored in by whoever decides on what will happen you know, with the coaching decision with at, at IU over this offseason, if they get back in the tournament, there is no decision. And if they if they miss it, I'm not saying there is a decision, but yeah, if someone at IU is taking a hard look at Archie after this year, if they don't make it, you've got to say last year was a tournament team. It's not their fault they weren't. Yeah, still, I agree. Three out of four, they, they got to get in, and especially year four. You know, you you've got your players in, you got your system in, you've been recruiting well. It's not like yeah, we can't catch a break in the recruiting show. No, he's recruited very well. So at some point you just got to get that consistency and start winning. You know they got a commitment the other day from C.J. Gunn from Indianapolis, who compares in some ways to Armin Franklin in that you know same body type, same rough skill set, same rough recruiting ranking, right around number one hundred nationally. So not the kind of guy that you say, well you're a pro, you're a board, you know you're probably a pretty good Big Ten player, but you're not a pro. 
Well, Armand Franklin has become a pro. So IU is still getting recruits from players that matter. You know, guns, he, gun matters. He had some pretty good offers. So people are not tuning them out. But, um, you know, at some point they've got to break through. And it feels like talking about Purdue football, you know, a couple years ago. At some point they got to break through. Well, IU's got to break through again under Archie. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about how you felt about him job security-wise. And so you think, because I agree with you, if they make the tournament, I, I think you absolutely bring him back for year five. And that's not that I've been the biggest pro-Archie guy. I, I just think, to me, it's a snail's pace progress. But, you know, year three, they would have been a tournament team. Year four, they'd be a tournament team. You know what I mean? That To me, with where Indiana's been, I guess that's enough. Um to, to at least see what he can do in year five. But I, I still think regardless of what how this year finishes, next year is kind of the make or break year for him. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen with Jackson Davis, but they'll have a lot of experience coming back and, and some talent coming back. So I, I would hope that they would be like a second weekend type team next year. Yeah, Jackson Davis is their best player by leaps and bounds and their best player in years. Um but for whatever reason, he's not yet a great pro prospect. You know, well, the reason is he hasn't shown he can hit threes. And if you're six nine, as crazy of an athlete as you are, you're you're not a pro um, if you can't hit threes. So I, I suspect he'll be back. You know, I, I wouldn't have thought that he'd be here for three years, a couple of years ago. But the game, the NBA game is, and it was already heading that direction. But it's just so radically small and perimeter based. It's good news for IU. And and Trace, if he's got that skill set, he hasn't shown it. He hadn't expanded it yet. Maybe he doesn't practice. They don't need him to. I, I don't know, though. If you, if you can hit threes, there's there, there's a need for you to hit threes for IU. No so question. I don't think he's expanded it yet. Let's talk uh, briefly about the other teams as well. Uh, Purdue splitting last week. They lose a tough one to Maryland, but come back and, and beat Northwestern. Their schedule really starts to kind of lighten up here over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and they're in better shape to make the tournament than Indiana is. Indiana's a lot closer to the edge than Purdue is. Um, also, Butler getting a win. They beat DePaul. Everybody beats DePaul. That's kind of the free space in the Big East season, uh, <laughs> at least from what we've seen. But um, let's kind of start with Purdue. And, and just that freshman class, Greg, just continues to – there was a highlight that I saw that I think Chris Foreman tweeted out, their SID, where – I want to say it was Edie on a block. Jaden Ivy turned that into a break and then dished to Newman for the slam. And it's freshman, freshman, freshman. And you kind of see this every single game. Yeah, sure. They have Travion Williams and Sasha and, and you know, they, they have some upperclassmen that help them out, but it just feels like this freshman class makes their voices heard every single game. Yeah. And, uh, I think last week is Brandon Newman was the big 10 freshman of the week. And this week is Jaden Ivy's the freshman of the week. And, Purdue pretty much owns that this year. They own it, and they've owned it with three different players. No, four different players. Four different guys have earned it. So it's not just one. I mean, it's crazy. This freshman class is really, really good. The, you know, one problem, I say problem loosely, but one problem is two of them um, might not be around for four years. You know, Brandon Newman, I, I'm not sure about him yet. Um, I mean, I think he's a pro, but he's got to show more than shooting threes. Um, Jay Ivey's a pro. I mean, Jay Ivey. I mean, he's got he's got to work on the three his shot, but that guy's a pro. He is an NBA athlete right now. Jay Ivey does whatever he wants with the ball, whenever he wants to do it. He can get to the rim. I'm not sure people understand just how good he is. He's unbelievable. So that that's actually a problem in that I, you can't say, yeah, boy, imagine this team in three years. No, next year's the year, and it better be, and it will be. But this year's becoming the year, and uh, it it is fun to watch Purdue because you never know who it's going to be like. Not that it's not fun to watch IU because you know it better be Trace Jackson Davis and Armand Franklin. Those guys better have big games or they're in trouble. 
And I'm not saying that's not fun. Um, but with Purdue, it's different. It'll be somebody, but you just don't know who it's going to be. I mean, it could be Trevion Williams one day. It could be Sasha when he gets back. Ivy Newman, Zach Eady can do some crazy stuff. Mason Gillis is so underrated, and he's going to be so good. I love watching Mason Gillis play. Love the confidence in his face. I mean, I love everything about Mason Gillis. He's a great kid, too. So they're fun to watch because you just don't know what's going to happen. You just know it'll probably be good. What do you think about this Butler class as well, speaking of freshmen with you know, Hodges and Harris and Tate and some of these guys that are playing major minutes and, and already making major contributions for, I, I think we all knew that this was going to be not a, a punt year per se, but this was going to be a, a transition year for Butler as they kind of grew into themselves. And I, I'm excited about potentially the growth that we're going to see from them. Well, Harris and Tate are really good and, and they're, and they're freshmen and they're, and they're really good freshmen and they're going to, they're going to be around for a while. Um, you know, Harris is one of those. He's a bucket getter. You know, he's not a he's not a great shooter. He's just, I mean, you know, some basketball fans, you know, they know how this goes that you can be a great scorer and not be a great shooter. And that's Harris. He's he's a scorer. He's not a you know thirty point a game scorer, but he scores. But he doesn't shoot very well. Uh, but he gets it in the bucket. And Miles Tate is just a ridiculous you know NBA type athlete, but he's six feet tall and can't shoot that well. So he'll be around for a while. But he's a, he's the best athlete in the court pretty much when he's on the court. So. That's two special guards to build around, and then and then Laval because he kind of has to is supplementing it with graduate transfers, Jair Bolden and you know Hodges and and those guys come in and they're they're not really necessarily Butler pure Butler they're not the Butler way type kids, but sometimes you need a guy like that you need a guy go get a bucket you know just listen just go one on four we someone's got to score Jair and you're the one so go score Hodges someone's got to score go one on five and bulldoze to the rim. They're, they're not Butler guys, but they're Butler guys right now. And they're, they're stop gaps until Laval can get more of his guys. Let's get over to uh, the Super Bowl discussion. I delayed it, I guess, long enough. Everybody knows Tampa Bay won. Um, Tom Brady wins. I'm happy for Bruce Arians, Tom Moore. I had no idea that Antoine Randall L was on their staff. I'm pretty psyched for him. I, I didn't know that he was in coaching. I know that he was in broadcasting for a little bit, but of course the former IU star from 20 years ago when I was still on campus there. Uh, but overall, were you as shocked as I was? I mean, I, I just, even with the offensive line injuries and all that, to see the Chiefs get just steamrolled that way, I was floored, Greg. I don't know about you. Well, I, I watched, um, I think I watched two or three possessions. I I only watched the first quarter, if that. Um, and I stopped because I, I thought I knew what was going to happen. And, and you can be... I can be wrong a lot on, you know, I don't, I, I can't watch a quarter of a game and tell you who's going to win. I'm not Nostradamus, but I watched a quarter of that game and could tell it's going to be close enough or the Bucks going to win that I don't want to watch. Cause I didn't know who I wanted to see win. Cause I don't like, I don't like Tom Brady. I really don't like Antonio Brown. I don't like how the Bucks have just decided characters who cares. We're just going to win. And, but I don't like the chiefs either. I don't like their character. I like Mahomes, but I don't like who they've allowed on their team. So I'm like, who do I root for? I realized as the game started that I'm rooting against Tom Brady. So I want him to lose. And anyway, it became apparent it wasn't going to happen to me. And and, and the defense was the, was the thing. It was just ridiculous. They It looked like the Buccaneers had 13 guys on defense. It, it didn't look fair. And uh, so, yeah, that was that was shocking to watch. And we've got a story in the Star today by Joel Erickson, really good story, saying that you know, that game showed really what the Colts need to do to get to another level. They they need to be able to disrupt passers and they you know they're decent at it. They're like a lot of teams, they're okay, but they're not nasty. And they need to get nasty to get to another another level, especially in the AFC. 
Yeah, it's kind of what's holding this defense back. Um, they're great against the run. The interior of the line is among the best in the entire league. I mean, if somebody's got a better one-two than Buckner and, and Stewart, um, I'd, I'd love to see it, honestly. I mean, that's how good those guys have been. And they've turned into a playmaking defense where takeaways, which was a, a real problem for them a couple of years ago, is no longer a problem. But it's the one thing that's holding them back is that the, you know, the pass rush just isn't there. Um, I don't know how long they're going to wait on Ture, but Ture's got to be healthy, and he's got to pop here pretty soon. I mean, God, I think it'll be year four. Is that right for him next year? Well, that sounds right. I, I, Ture plays 16 games, and that's a big if, but he plays 16 games. I see him getting 10 sacks. I think yeah, me he's too. really good. Yeah, I think he's he's better than I thought he was going to be. I think he's really good, but he can't be healthy. And if he can't be healthy, you can't A, get on the field, but even when you do get on the field, you don't get that consistency going. He needs reps, and he needs 16 games. But if he – you know, the, the best ability any player has, as coaches will tell you, is availability. And if he doesn't have availability, he's not doing the Colts any good. You know, they're decent at the pass rush. They're decent. Houston's been fine. Um, they're decent. But the rest of their defense is better than decent. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're linebackers. They're, they're safeties. They're, they're, they're cornerbacks, I guess, given the help they get from the interior rush. The, the, the rest of defense is really fine, uh, above average, I'd say. Just the, the, the pass rush is average, and that's holding them back. I'm starting to think that the play for the Colts, just given the trade market and these asking prices and where they are in the draft and how hard it is to trade up, I'm starting to think now, Greg, that the Colts are going to get like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe Nick Foles if he isn't included in the Wentz deal type player, or I don't know, Trubisky, you know, depending on, you know, kind of what happens here with the rest of the quarterback carousel. I'm starting to think that they're just going to go the one-year rental route again, kind of like what they did with Rivers and, and just run it back for 2022. But I don't know. That's just where I'm at with it. Well, the, the one thing that really doesn't make sense in, in a lot of ways is is getting a quarterback in the draft. It it doesn't make sense in, in the most basic way in that Ursay thinks, and he's right, that they've got a window, they've got a, a young core. And the window isn't like right now for, for, for two years, but it's it's now. It is now. Um, and he doesn't want to have a quarterback he developed maybe for two or three years. They want a veteran. But also, even if the right answer was to go get a great quarterback in the draft, the Colts don't have the capital to do it. So they 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 just don't have enough. They I mean, I guess they could trade away, you know, future number ones, but I think a team there's gonna be enough deals on the table right now for teams willing to shop their draft pick that they don't have to wait for a team to give them three draft picks down the road. They're gonna get stuff right now. So I the Colts are gonna have no choice but to go to free agency to win next year through for a quarterback and I or, or, or a trade, I, I'm holding out hope for Matt Ryan. I'm holding out hope that he's going to be worth the number one 21 overall pick, and that's it. And if he is, I say you got to do that. If, if you knew right now the Colts could draft at 21, they could draft a quarterback at 21 that will give them three great years, and that's all he's going to give them. You'd say, well, to draft that guy, whoever he is, that's worth it. Well, if you can use that pick on the same thing, go do that. Yeah, I'm with you. Hell, I'd take two great years if if he can still play at that level. And he's been fine. You know, he hasn't returned to where he was as an MVP a couple of years ago, but he's been fine. I just I, I'm not sure what the Falcons are gonna do. Are they are they gonna draft Wilson at four and then you know, are they even gonna keep Ryan around? I don't even know what their cap situation is. So that's what's so hard about this, Greg, is that you know, we have to not only predict what the Colts are gonna do, but we have to like intimately know the Philly situation and the uh, Vegas situation and the Atlanta situation. And and I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what the Raiders think about Derek Carr. You know what I mean? Did you see that Josh Rosen just got a one-year deal with San Francisco? 
Did he really? I mean, Josh you know, Rosen. As a backup, though, I mean, Blaine Gabbert just won a Super Bowl, Greg. He's been in the league for 10 years as a as a backup ever since he flamed out in Jacksonville, right? Yeah, I'm just, no, I'm just, I, I'm stunned. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really stunned, but just a couple years ago, I'd have been stunned. Josh Rosen, who was so cocky on draft day, yeah. he got drafted, what, 10th overall and said nine teams made a mistake. And that guy is now a, a one-year rental backup quarterback in San Francisco. I mean, that, that is a that is a shocking fall from grace. That is almost Jamarcus Russell fall from grace. Almost. Not quite, but close to it. Um, anyway, I'm just bringing up that quarterback news. But Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of, for me, he's, he's sort of your floor. He's, and I'm not sure what is below Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not a nice player. But, <laughs> oh, Brissett? Yeah. With that, I mean, it, you know, gun to my head, I'd take Fitzpatrick over Brissett. I'm all the way out on Brissett, though. I, I am, too, and I, I, I'm all the way out on him in part because I feel like the Colts already are. I feel like they've already decided. They made that decision by bringing in Rivers. Um, but also, I'm out, I'm out on Brissett because I, while on the one hand, he's got a, I'm sure he likes Reich, and I'm sure he likes all the people here. At the other, on the other hand, he was a starter. You know, his numbers... Over the course of a full season, his touchdowns, interceptions, I think it was like 18 to 6. I mean, over the course of a full season, you could look at it and say, hey, it's pretty good. Now, we saw it in real time and realized that in the fourth quarter he kept falling apart. And, in, you know, in real time, no. It's like Chuck Pagano's head coaching resume. Look at all those wins and losses. That looks really good. Yeah, but in real time, you kind of realize he's probably not a head coach. Well, Jacoby's probably not a quarterback, a starting quarterback. And I'm not sure he wants to, but, but he looks at it and probably sees himself that way. And I'm not sure he's happy with the Colts. I'm sure he wants to go somewhere else. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't want to come here. A and B, I'm not sure he would even trust signing here. Yeah, I've done this before. I've signed with you guys to be your guy. Who's to say you're not going to draft somebody, you know, to trade up and get somebody? So I, Jacoby's gone for both reasons, I think. Yeah, and we all have uh, – it doesn't make you a bad person to have an ego. I mean, we all think – are confident, right? Or think, I was going to say, think highly of ourselves, but that sounds like, you know, I'm being like elitist or something. And if I'm Brissett and if I'm in his shoes, um, I don't want to be somebody's fallback plan. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how I feel like he, he, um, with, he would, with the Colts, they would have to have struck out on basically every other option to bring him back as their quarterback one. So I think a change of scenery might help him to go into camp and have a chance to win a job. What I find really interesting and, and not surprising, but just funny, really funny is the number of people. And it might just be seven. I don't, you, you, Twitter, you can't tell, you just can't tell. Am I hearing from these seven people who think this or are these seven people, the tip of the iceberg? I just don't know. But uh, there, a lot of people want Eason. They, and, and that, that to me is, and I don't want to, I am not saying he's not, he'll never be a good quarterback. I mean, he, you know, 15 years from now, he might be a Hall of Fame guy. I don't want someone to throw it in my face that I was down on him right now. But, but right now, nobody knows. Not even the Colts know. I, I think that is a passive aggressive. That's just being, that's almost being mentally lazy. Like, I'm just, I, it's too hard to think about Ryan and Fitzpatrick and the draft and this and that. It's just too hard to think about it. I'm just going to kind of hold my nose and say Jacob Easton is the guy. And that's you're basically you're quitting. That's giving up. That is that if you're a UFC fighter, that is you giving your neck and hoping they can choke you out so you can tap out. You're looking for a way out. Jacob Eason is looking for a way out. Don't 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 believe in Jacob Eason yet. Nobody knows. So to sit there and say I want to see Jacob Eason, you're tapping out. The arm bar has been locked in. Tap out. It's over. 
Yeah, he was like the scout team quarterback last year. I mean, the Colts, the Colts know he's not ready to be a starter right now. Uh, he was a flyer, and I think they were hoping that somewhere down the line he could be a capable backup and a, and a cheap backup and maybe have starter potential, but I don't think they were thinking to themselves, yeah, you know what, year two, Jacob Eason's our guy. He's going to be our starter. Um, I don't think that. No. I, I wanted to go back to something just real quick because I've kind of heard this over the last couple of weeks, and, and I, I don't – not that I've talked to somebody or you know somebody said that this wasn't true, but it doesn't add up to me. Do you believe that the Colts told Philip Rivers that they were moving on? Because that doesn't add up to me. No, no, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that, and I also don't believe that secret would have been kept. I, I think we'd know. I, I, no, you can't keep secrets like that. You just can't do it. I think, and not that Rivers kept a secret. He was a one-year guy. I don't. Rivers didn't really know until he. It was Rivers is just a different guy. I mean, there we know that. You know, the ultimate of family men. I mean, the ultimate. I mean, nobody's got more kids than him. He's already got his job to coach his son lined up. Um, he is 38, 39, and I suspect in a vacuum, which we don't live in, but if he didn't have a kid who's about to play high school football in ninth grade, I suspect he'd be back. But I think he just has decided he's had his time, and it's time to move on. I don't think, I don't think the Colts decided. Certainly not that fast, you know, not that fast. I mean, it happened fast. I, I just don't buy that. You, you've heard that, you've heard that. Just what people on Twitter kind of asking, "Hey, do you think? Is that what you're you're, you're hearing?" I, I saw, and I don't remember who it was. It, it might have been Kevin Bowen at ten seventy that said, or maybe on his podcast, or somebody, somebody, you know, alluded to the fact that maybe the Colts or they had heard something, you know, I'm paraphrasing Greg, cause I don't know what the exact quote is. And then, you know how people are on Twitter, they kind of take it and run with it, but given right. Reich and rivers, uh, relationship, it just, it doesn't strike me as plausible that they would have brought rivers into the room and said, Hey, you know what? You played really well this season, but thanks. We're, we're going to move on to, you know, Nick Foles or Carson Wentz. It, it just doesn't add up to me. No, it doesn't add up at all. And, and it's a fair thing to wonder because it, I mean, it, it occurred to me in, in real time. It occurred to me in real time I, when he retired, and, I, and it caught me off guard. I, I thought to myself, I wonder if the Colts told him, you're not coming back. That occurred to me. But a lot of things occurred to me that I reject right away and for a lot of reasons. And, and, and you just laid it out right there. If there was a plan B on the horizon, like a, a legitimate when you could say, huh, I wonder if they forced Phillip out because they knew they were getting this guy. There is no plan B. Um, so, no, you, you do not say – Put it this way, if right now there was a guy with Rivers' age, his age, his numbers, the year he's coming off, if he was available, he'd be the guy Colts fans would be saying, hey, go get – I mean, we're saying it right now with Matt Ryan. Yeah, hey, go right. get Matt Ryan. Well, if Philip Rivers was still here, we'd be very happy to have Philip Rivers still here. Yeah, if you asked Rivers to leave, uh, I would think that you would have been more aggressive in trying to get Stafford. And clearly they weren't very aggressive trying to get Stafford, at least not as aggressive as the Rams were to get him. Right. Um, Although the Colts could have sweetened the pot by, they could have offered Jacob Eason. You know, maybe it's right. Yeah. The Lions, Jacob Eason, future Hall of Famer, Jacob Eason. Right, because he's clearly <laughs> starter ready, and and the Lions, being the Lions, they might just tap out in the 2021 season. They might just like listen. You know, you're you're squeezing on my car carotid. Give me Jacob Eason. Pacers have stumbled back to 500. They've got Brooklyn coming up on Wednesday. We're taping this right now on Tuesday. Uh, they've played some good teams. Utah's a great team. Obviously, they've been without Karis Levert as well. Greg, to me, 
I'm not as focused on the regular season because I, I think everything for the Pacers this year comes down to can they win a first-round playoff series? If they win a first-round playoff series, the season is a success. If they can't do that, then you know anything less than that to me is a disappointment. So I, you know, I, I'm kind of done rooting for the Pacers to get to like 50 wins because that seemed important in the last era with Nate McMillan. And now the regular season's just kind of become so irrelevant. And I'm more focused on the Pacers kind of getting everything set up to hopefully win a best of seven first round series for the first time. in God, what has it been? Seven years? Uh, yeah. 14. And, and being a, you know, being an eight seed makes that difficult. If you're playing a one, you're right. Um, but I'm not so, Listen, I, I mean, we're locked into the Colts. We got IU Purdue. We're locked into Los. I, I don't really even know how great if there's a big gap up there. One, two, three. You know, Heat, Celtics, Raptors. If I'm leaving somebody out, I don't. I'm not. It doesn't seem to me like there is no LA Lakers. There's no team to avoid. Brooklyn Nets, maybe. There's nobody to avoid. Um, so I'm not sure it matters all that much. But but more than that, right now, um, w- without TJ Warren, without Karis LeVert, I, I can't. I can't get bothered by the Pacers record and I really can't get inspired to go cover them right now and so I'm really not doing very much of it because it it they're going to lose to good teams and I don't want to write hey the Pacers lost because you can't write a happy story after they lost you gotta get the tone right well the tone is they lost yeah but they're losing it they're literally they're well not they're the best two players but hell it might be players four and five I mean their starting five is so good but they're it's just not right right now to judge him. Not for me, not for you, not for not for Pacers fans. It's just not right to judge him right now. And I don't know when we can. You know, we don't know when Levert's coming back. T.J. Warren, we don't know. I mean, th- this whole season might be a punt kind of season. And nobody wants to hear that. But you can't tell me there's the legit reason why it shouldn't be. You've got a brand-new coach, a brand-new coach with a brand-new system, missing two of his best players perhaps for the entire year. I just, okay. I mean, it is what it is. Maybe, maybe you shoot for next year. Yeah, and it's a combination of things for me. It's it's just general apathy about where the Pacers have been and the fact that I can't watch them. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, that hurts. The, the one time I do get to watch them, they're on ESPN and they get ragdolled by the Bucks, you know, for everybody to see. So that that wasn't the best time to catch the Pacers on on television again. So I, I think it's just a it's a frustration. And that's not their fault. You know, I, I'm I'm excited about Bjorgren um and Miles Turner and Sabonis and Brogdon and I do think it's a good basketball team, Greg. It's just hard for me to get like all amped up about the current state of the Pacers. Yeah, I, I'm with you in that in that regard. And 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 you you think or I'm thinking, well, Bjorkman said he was going to develop players. Pritchard said they're going to develop players. They're going to give young guys minutes. That's one of the benefits to to replacing McMillan, who wants to grind out everybody to win every game, and he never gets a good look. I think Bjorkman's getting a fine look at Aaron Holiday, and I really don't know who else is on, on this roster even deserves a look. You know, I we. They, they don't have any – I mean, Goga is young, but he doesn't deserve a look. He's not any good. You know, I, I – I, he's just not any good. The Pacers I, – I understand. I will never rip them for drafting Goga back when they did because they were picking wherever they were picking, 11, 12, 13, whatever, 14. Uh, they saw a guy seven feet tall with some skill, a young European. You know, he's got he's got the profile of a guy that might just hit it big. You might have hit the lottery with this guy. And it's either that or you go draft another guy like Aaron Holiday. You go draft a college player that you kind of, you know, you know, know what his ceiling is. They took a chance on Goga. I get it. Um, it's not worked. Goga's not any good. Um, so they don't have any young players they can play. They just got to go out and, and try to get better at what they do and hope that Levert and or Warren comes back soon. Yeah, the only guy, and he's 
played very sparingly, but I've always felt like there might be something there for him to just be a rotation player, not to be a starter or anything like that. The, the only guy that they really have that's still relatively young that intrigues me is is Sumner. Nope. Um, nope. <laughs> that's. I I think he, no. he could be a. I think he could be a, a rotational player. I do. Um. I just his minutes have just kind of been all over the place for the most part. If by rotational player you mean the ninth man who can get seven minutes if a guy gets foul trouble, okay, he can be that. He's, I mean, he, he's been in the league long enough, not long, but long enough, kind of like TJ Leaf. You, you know, some we all kind of figured out what he is, um, and what TJ Leaf is, and what is what Ed, Edwin Evan Sumner is. He's Russ Mormon. I told you about Russ Mormon a few months ago. How he was Russ Mormon was a college player of the year, tore up AAA every year, tore up AAA when I was covering the Marlins. He goes to the big leagues and he can't hit. I mean, he's a what they call a four A player. He's he's too good for AAA, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't work in the bigs. That was T.J. Leaf, and I think that's Edmund Sumner. He's he's he was dominating in the G League. He's just not a pro. He's not a, an NBA guy. He's just not. And Goga, I'm not sure if he could even dominate in the G League. I don't know. I just I'm very unimpressed with Goga. Nice guy, great personality, not any good. I still I, I can't write off a 21 year old though. And we we, we kind of did that. We, we did that with TJ Leaf. I think it was pretty clear. I mean, TJ Leaf just didn't even have really a foundation to build upon. You just watched him and you were like, this guy can't play. Um, and, and, you know, not that Goga has been lighting the world on fire, but man, he's he's 20 and a half years old um, or 20, 21 and a half. I think he turns 22 over the summer, if I remember right. So I. But you're right, Greg. I mean, you know, you have a you have a set window of time, and and either a guy flashes something or he doesn't. It's kind of like what we've been doing with Brissett. People talk about Brissett like he's 24. Brissett's 28. Right. If he was going to show something, he would have shown it by now. Right. I mean, and Sumner's got great. Sumner's got great pieces. He's got great quickness. He's got great length. Not a great shooter, and and you just can't live in the NBA getting the rim. You just can't do it. He's, you know, Sumner. Frankly, now I think about it. Sumner is a good comp for Jaden Ivey right now. Now, there is this Jaden Ivey's a college freshman. He's got time to work on his shot, but Jaden Ivey could go to the NBA right now and be Edmund Sumner. Almost. Not quite. Not quite. But that's they're very comparable. And that's a great compliment to Jaden Ivey and not a great compliment to Edmund Sumner. I'm comparing you to a college freshman who can't shoot. That's who he is right now. Goga, and you, this always happens to nice people. Um, and so I don't want to. I'm about to, it's going to happen right here, but I at least want to acknowledge that it, it could be wrong. But nice people, nice kids, you wonder do they, how much do they really care about the game? Do they love it enough? Are they intense enough about it? And that's where I am with Goga. Great personality, great kid, goofball. I don't know if he's got it in him, the junkyard dog, to go out and, and become something. I, that That's as big a reason as anything why I'm down on Goga is I, I mean, I see seven feet. I see it. I just don't see, I don't see the 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 passion to bring out whatever he's got. But Turner's always kind of been like that, no? A different talent level with those two guys. I think it was pretty clear that Miles Turner was a talented player even when he was nineteen. But you know, Turner, I would say all those things about Turner. I've, I've questioned his intensity and his aggression out there as he's getting thrown around by Embiid and Stephen Adams and some of the more physical bigs that he that he plays against. But clearly, he's grown into something for them. Yeah, I don't. You know, I mean, there, there's something there with Turner, uh, what you're saying, but he has a he has a baseline level of intensity and effort and care that is enough to get him to be a really good pro. And if he can ever just become a monster with the motor, then he can become a monster pro. 
but I think he's got a better skills than Goga and B a better motor than Goga. Goga is Miles Turner light in both regards. Um, and Turner, you know, the way he blocks shots, it's true. He gets thrown around by certain guys, but you know, most guys are going to get thrown around by Embiid. They just are. And Steve Adams is deceptively the strongest man on earth. And it's just going to happen that way. But, but Turner is leading the NBA in block shots by a large margin. Like he's number one, whoever's number two is so far behind him. And by the time you get to about number five in the NBA, you add up five and six, those guys total, Turner has more than those guys combined. I mean, he's, he's way out in front of everybody in block shots. And I don't think you get to be that way, especially at his height. I mean, he's not like he's seven foot nine. I don't think you get to be that way without having a pretty good revving motor. He's just deceptively, he's smooth. He's just a big, smooth athlete. What are you working on for this week? I'm working on two. I, I mean, I'll be, I'll do some games this week. Um, I'm working on two fun stories. Well, one of them's not so fun for the future. One of them is, do you know about these billboards around town? Kokomo? Kokomo, yeah, I've seen them. Isn't the website a dead link? Uh, or did they finally create a website? I'm, I'm going to answer these questions. I've, <laughs> I've done I don't want to ruin your piece. <laughs> yeah, I've done some digging on that. That column's coming, and um, I'm having fun writing it as we speak, actually. Um, the everywhere. other one is, huh? Those billboards, they're everywhere. Every single side of town has one. Everywhere. Everywhere. They're, they might even be in Kokomo, for all I know, but they're everywhere. Uh, the other story I'm working on is, uh, did you see the IHSA lost a transfer decision? Jaden Brewer transferred from Avon to Ben Davis. The, the IHSA, great basketball player. IHSA tried to say, no, you can't do that, and, and successfully said that until Jaden Brewer's family hired a lawyer, took him to court, and won. Brewer's playing right now. And the the what was said about that decision by the judge was appalling, like what he said about the IHSA, appalling. And what he said about them is what I've thought from the day I got here, which is they're not in it for the kids. They say they are. And for the most part, they do things for the kids. But when push comes to shove, they're defending schools. Push comes to shove, the schools pay their checks and they know it. And I don't like it. And so I've I'm doing some looking. And uh, I've written some IHSA columns over the years, none of them making people there happy. And all I'm going to tell you is those were love taps compared to what I've got coming. Can't wait. IndyStar.com slash sports. You can subscribe. Obviously, the podcast drops every Tuesday with Doyle and Derek, iTunes, all major providers everywhere that Clark Wade puts them on. <laughs> and, the and best. you can watch uh, Corian Schultz tonight, ISCSportsNetwork.com, also streaming on our Facebook page and on YouTube, um, YouTube.com slash Corian Schultz. If you want to check that out, Jake and I will talk, obviously, Super Bowl, Colts quarterback, all the same stuff, a lot of the same stuff that Greg and I talk about as well. What's well, up? What time is that? I want to watch. What time is it? Six o'clock Eastern. Thanks for asking. And listen, if I if I don't see it live, can I find it like at eight or at nine or tomorrow yep. at 9 a.m.? You could find it at iscsportsnetwork.com. Uh, also, we archive all the episodes on YouTube uh, on Thursday. So okay. Thursday at 12.01 a.m. That bad boy's up there on Thursday. Okay, I see enough of you. I miss Jake Query. I want to see that face. Oh, nobody misses Jake Query. <laughs> We're happy he's alive. Don't get me wrong. Nobody misses that guy. Thanks so much, Greg. We'll talk again next week. You to man. Bye, Derek.